Welcome back to The Big Pivot, the podcast series that explores how CIOs are leading data-driven digital transformation. I'm Rob O'Regan with IDG. Today's episode is about the rise of the machines, machine learning that is, part of a larger move toward artificial intelligence in the enterprise, and the exciting opportunities AI presents to help CIOs rethink how organizations work. Joining me again is a fellow human and an AI enthusiast, Graham Thompson, CIO and Senior Vice President of Informatica. Welcome back, Graham. Hey, Rob. Good to talk to you again. Graham, more and more people are talking about AI, but the concept and some of the methodologies have been around for decades. Why is the topic so hot right now? Yeah, so like you say, the concept has definitely been around for for a while. And I hear from many enterprise peers that AI is really overhyped. But like many of these emerging capabilities, it it seems overhyped all the way up until the point that it's not. And then then folks find themselves they find themselves behind. So I think it's really a hot topic now because of a combination of multiple things that are all accelerating exponentially at the same time. So if you think about the cost of compute continuing to come down, the cost of sensors and the size of these sensors, things like cameras and GPS, etc., all coming down and getting smaller because they've been built into mobile phones, the availability of high-speed mobile networks, the availability of data and the capability of the tools to process this data. And then consumers are already being exposed to AI and artificial assistance like Alexa, so it's easy for our employees and our customers to see to see this adding real value at home and they expect that same thing to migrate into the enterprise. So it's not just a consumer trend is what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, I think today today you could argue that it, that it is, but like a lot of things since the iPhone, it starts in the consumer world and then moves very quickly into the enterprise. And you can see today some of the best companies starting to build AI into their enterprise offerings, especially in customer service type scenarios, which which you could argue is a B2C interaction, but it's taking place in, a, in an enterprise context. So Facebook has a program called FAIR, Facebook Artificial Intelligent Research which has used consumer behavior to generate multiple breakthroughs in in digital neural networks, which improves the way computers see, hear, and even converse across the industry and their own products. In an enterprise context, I recently read about a German company called Otto and how they're using AI to help lower the number of product returns, which costs the firm millions of euros a year. So their new AI system has reduced returns by over 2 million items a year. And the technology also benefits the environment, obviously, because we're shipping fewer packages and sending fewer returns. And the list keeps going from there, you know, in the consumer world, from Netflix using AI to increase the number of recommendations, especially when you aren't using the service as often and they think that you might be at risk of leaving, to Amazon using it to remind you to buy products you just bought a month ago. So it's already part of life for a lot of us, whether we see it or not. And I think it's just natural that it, that it starts to move more and more into the enterprise. Yeah, that does sound pretty exciting from an enterprise perspective, but AI does carry some baggage. There are a lot of dire predictions about AI's impact on the workforce. As a CIO, what's your take on that? Yeah, so I think it's inevitable. So I think we have to get over the the fear about it and deal with what's actually going to happen. And in a world where it's practical and actually becoming expected that we can access all the available information about a current situation, we have to ask, can the humans that we have keep up? You know, can we do advanced math well enough? Because this isn't magic, it's math. But can we do advanced math well enough to interpret the data and determine what's going on? Can we afford to pay enough people who can do advanced math to keep up? I would argue that we cannot. 
And this will mean that some jobs that are done by humans today will be done by machines in the future, or at the very least, the humans will be, be assisted by machines. To be realistic about this, I think the impact on some jobs will be uh, very severe. But at the macro level, it should expand employment. A couple of examples from a June 2016 Economist article. One was the textile industry. So between 1830 and 1900, where automation was feared to threaten factory workers' jobs, what really happened is that the reduced labour content in textiles reduced the cost. That reduced cost caused demand to increase significantly, which actually caused the number of people employed by the industry to increase by four times. So clearly the nature of the job was very different, but the total number of people employed actually increased over that period. Similarly, in banking in the 1980s, it was feared that ATMs would eliminate bank teller jobs. But what actually happened is that while the number of tellers per branch did decrease, it went from about 20 to about 13, the reduced cost of running a branch allowed banks to open more suburban branches. And this actually increased the number of tellers. So in addition, obviously, these teller jobs became more interesting and diversified, now including sales and, and customer service. So fast forward to 2017, Facebook again has built a system called DeepText that's designed to mimic the way language works in our brains to identify the subtle differences in meaning when two seemingly innocuous words are put next to each other. Instagram's using this system to automatically identify and eliminate comments on the platform that are spam, offensive or inappropriate. So while the opportunity for productivity improvements is significant, I really like to focus on the part that we can really, really use to achieve higher value outcomes, so less error, more speed. And we can do things that are just too expensive to do today. And it's not only possible, it's probable that every knowledge worker's job is getting easier and every knowledge worker is going to have the opportunity to do more and do more meaningful, less tedious and repetitive work. And this should allow us to pave the way to achieve more impactful outcomes for employees and for the company. How so? Talk about that a little bit more, if you would. Yeah, so if you, if you can imagine having a job where knowing stuff wasn't the focus, you know, it used to be that the value was in what you knew. But if knowing stuff is a commodity, then we'll be given the freedom to think more about big questions. So if the answer is readily available to everyone on the planet, then the real differentiation, the real innovation and the real power will transfer to those remarkable people who can ask the best question. The best questions might be the most profitable outcome, but it might be the one that has the most profound impact on people on our planet. So you know, one example could be maybe in the future, we all have a Dr. Alexa in our kitchen and we can say, hey, Dr. Alexa, you know, my patient has a temperature of 103 degrees, is vomiting, has nausea and had a seizure. What could this be? And then the answer could come back, check their eyes. If there's signs of jaundice, they may have malaria, ask them if they travelled recently. So that, you can see there, the, the skill is not in knowing stuff. The skill is in being able to ask a good question. So in the enterprise, by accessing all the information about a business scenario, a knowledge worker will be able to quickly and more accurately determine what's really going on and then quickly decide what action to take and then take the action. And all of that from the diagnosis to deciding the action to implementing the solution can all be automated or assisted. And it all comes back to having the right data available. And to do that, we need to ensure that the data comes from the right and best available sources. It's secure, timely, and it's organized in such a way that it can be useful. Yeah, that's a really, uh, really interesting way to kind of come at the issue. Can you give an example or two of that in terms of kind of having that right data available? Yeah, so in an enterprise context, let's imagine you've got your best or your most experienced inside sales rep. 
what makes them successful is that they can connect data points, such as a potential customer just hired a new CISO, they're expanding in Europe, and then there's recent news about GDPR. So that, that information is available to everyone, but your smartest, your best, highest performing inside sales rep is going to be able to conclude that there's a sales opportunity there. So why not automate that and make that same conclusion available to your average rep? You know, just think about the productivity improvement that taking the expertise from your very best inside sales rep and giving that to your average or even your, your worst inside sales rep is going to be fairly easy to increase productivity significantly. Another example might be in a customer service scenario. So let's say that a service request or a support case has been open for 24 hours or more and no update, no engagement's been had with the customer. So the system knows that the average CSAT score for such a case is likely to be below average, so it can recommend an action to the agent to proactively call the customer or request a special technical resource be assigned or dispatch a spare part. The best customer service agent in your company would know to do that, but you think about how much more effective you'd be if your most inexperienced agent who may have only been on the job for two days could do that same thing. Yeah, so that's the outcome piece again. Let's back it up a little bit. What do you have to do to get your data ready for machine learning? Because clearly you don't want to deploy, you know, simply an automated version of garbage in, garbage out. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, if you consider yourself to be a knowledge worker, and this is where this really starts to impact folks, you're not going to be happy having just some knowledge or, or some out of date knowledge. You're going to expect to have all the available knowledge needed. So to do that, you know, effective machine learning requires large training data sets and it needs constant feedback loops. Feedback loops are an interesting part of this. The easiest way to describe why they're important is, um, you know, there's a really good reason why the ability to forecast the weather accurately has improved significantly, while the ability to predict the outcome of an election has not improved at all. So in the weather scenario, you've got the opportunity to forecast it 24 times every day. And then you can use what actually happened to adjust the model so that the, the algorithms and the, the machine can learn over time. Whereas with an, an election, it only happens so infrequently that there's not, enough, there's not enough feedback to adjust the model. So there's more to it than just having the data available. You need to have enough data so that there's a big enough pool for the, the algorithms to learn and to be able to have feedback loops so that you can constantly improve. So that's the data piece. How do you introduce machine learning into your culture to make it less threatening or more accessible to people? I think it's important to avoid the boil the ocean trap here. So personally, I'd, I'd start with a, a simple use case that allows a business function to accomplish something they couldn't otherwise do, or that would be so much human effort that it really wasn't profitable to do or likely to be done. So for example, if we at Informatica engage a customer on a data management initiative, we advise that the first thing they do is catalog all the data. Now, fortunately, we have tools to make this easier, and we've recently added an AI component to this where the tools will learn based on feedback. So let's take an example of a company with a GDPR initiative again. And let's say they want to figure out where all their customer data is in their entire ecosystem. So the first thing we do is run our enterprise information catalog against their entire application infrastructure, and it would find all the tables that contain customer data. We then use advanced statistical and machine learning techniques to identify and relate customer data. And then this is augmented with user input, similar to how you and I may tag a photo in uh, Facebook. And that would locate all the other places where the customer info may exist. So there's no way a human on, on our own could ever do this in a scalable 
cost-effective way. So by starting somewhere like this, that you're not threatening eliminating people's jobs, you're not dumbing down someone's function, you're really allowing a business user to accomplish something that has value to them, but something that they could never have done without the capabilities that AI and machine learning provide. So what you're describing, it's clear you can start to see that beyond just faster decision-making or knowledge-sharing, that AI-based data management can really start to have an impact on how companies do business. Can you talk a little bit more about kind of that, that broader impact? Yeah, so I think, Rob, as we, as we sit here in the middle of 2017, there's definitely an expectation from our customers, our employees and other stakeholders that we, that we leverage all available data to improve outcomes for everyone. People see it in their, in their personal lives as a consumer and they expect that everyone is going to be able to replicate that best experience that they've, that they've ever had. So to do this, you know, the first thing we have to do is know where all the data is, just like we care to know where the other assets that we have physically reside. But unfortunately, data in or about an enterprise is so dispersed via multiple applications on-prem and in multiple vendor clouds, the task becomes very difficult very quickly. So if we can teach our tools to automatically find that right data, catalog it properly, we can speed up that journey. And by doing it at scale over thousands of customer environments, I think there's an opportunity to learn from that metadata that that process creates and then reduce the time to value for all of our customers so that they can spend more of their time using the data to generate outcomes. So I think we, we really have to start there. Better, faster outcomes at scale, that sounds pretty cool. Any other closing thoughts? Yeah, so I think this is definitely a topic I'm excited about and it's also one that is rightly causing concern about the impact it has, especially on white collar jobs. But um, I think it's important to point out that as with all progress, there isn't an option to go back so even if we wanted to go back, we can't. And as hard as it may be at the micro level where some of the impact is going to be felt, I think we need leaders to embrace the macro level opportunities that it creates and think about it as the next logical step in the series of industrial revolutions that we've gone through. You know, we think about things like artists creating new forms of art using artificial neural networks, Zebra Medical Vision using AI to predict and prevent disease, Descartes Labs using AI to prevent food shortages by predicting crop yields. So while this will destroy some jobs, it will create many more. And rather than replacing humans, I really think that ultimately it will enable us to do much more and accomplish things that just can't be done today. Thanks, Graham. It is comforting to hear that machine learning and AI aren't automating us mere mortals out of jobs, but can actually add to our intelligence with the understanding that, of course, we first need to add intelligence into how we manage the data. That'll wrap up today's episode. Hopefully you're leaving a bit more excited about the possibilities that AI and machine learning bring to data management and governance. Uh, as Graham emphasized, these technologies are quickly becoming a requirement for data-driven digital transformation. You can catch up on all the Big Pivot episodes by subscribing to the IDG Tech Talk channel on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Thanks for listening. For Informatica and IDG, I'm Rob O'Regan.